When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am Jeff Hartman, joined, as always, with Rob Stats Guerrero. Rob is, hey, you're coming off the bye week. How was that for you, man? It's a little weird. Like, I had a stress-free Sunday. I was just sitting watching. I mean, we got a handful of great games yesterday. Absolutely. Before we do that, I do have to ask you, because when the trade deadline happened last week, we had... We had already done our show. Like we do our show on Monday. The trade day deadline was at Tuesday at 4 p.m. And leave it to the 49ers. Leave it to the San Francisco 49ers to even on a bye week. You've got plenty to talk about. I was like, oh, Rob and Ch- they get Chase Young. How are you feeling about that? Well, uh, it was a move I think made out of desperation. They knew they needed help, but I like the risk. They traded a third round comp yeah. pick to get him. If he leaves after this season, the Niners could get the comp pick back, depending on what kind of deal he signs. And he has talent. The Niners are betting that he is now all the way recovered from that devastating knee injury that he suffered in 2021. And if he is, he could potentially be the answer that they have been searching for opposite Nick Bosa for that pass rush. Good for you guys to have something to talk about. That's for me. The Steelers won on Thursday night, and so I got to sit back and just watch the games unfold. And like you said, what a slate of games it was. There was a game in every single window, and it it was worth talking about all of these. Let's start off with the game in Germany at 9.30 a.m., Chiefs-Dolphins. The schedule makers got it right here. What a game. It looked like the Dolphins were just going to revert right back to their old ways, which was play a good team, you lose. But then they started to kind of battle their way back. What were your thoughts on this game as the Chiefs find a way to win 21-14? to I mean, of course, just as we all drew it up, right? Chiefs, Dolphins, and the game was not totally decided by. A huge play in the game, though, is a fumble by Tyree Kill, recovered by the Chiefs' defense, who then laterals to a a guy that was sitting on top of a rocket, basically. I didn't even know his name, but he took off down the sideline like like he was on a strap to a rocket, and he runs it in for the touchdown. In a game, the Chiefs end up winning by seven. What a dud of a finish. Like I'm watching this game and here, here come the dolphins. They're down by a touchdown. They're, they're driving Two has got him in striking distance. And then mm-hmm. fumbled snap, like a, a bad, bad snap. And it's a miscommunication on fourth. I was like, Oh gosh, no, like at least give me a throw into the end zone. Like give me something. I was really disappointed that there wasn't that big time finish. And then the chiefs end up kneeling it out. But the dolphins now, I mean, you got to take a look at this thing from a, from a, you know overall perspective, they're six and three now, and they're kind of muddled in with all the. I would say that they're a, a step above a lot of these middling teams in the AFC. But Rob, like they still can't beat a really good team. That's got to be concerning. That was you stole the words right out of my mouth. That was going to be my takeaway. I mean, look, when they play a team that has their stuff together, they lose. They lost to the Bills. They didn't just lose. They got crushed by the Bills, forty-eight to twenty. They played. The Eagles, they got crushed by the Eagles 31 to 17, and they played the Chiefs and they lost 21 to 14. And when you're supposed to be this offensive team, you got to be able to put up points against everybody. And 20 against the Bills, 17 against the Eagles, and 14 against the Chiefs. That's not good enough. You know, Mike McDaniel was revolutionizing football a few weeks ago. I don't know that he is. I mean, they're good enough to beat bad teams and beat them by a lot. In the playoffs, especially in the AFC, you're going through a gauntlet here. And right now, Miami has proven they can't beat those teams. You also have to wonder if Miami's the type of team being from Florida, warmer weather, that's the climate they want with the type of offense they have. How important is a home field game in the postseason, assuming that they get to that point? Well, they're beating bad teams. We know that. Look at the slate coming up. Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets again before they finish with a gauntlet of the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. That's going to be crazy. So the Dolphins do have a little bit of a lull in their schedule as it gets ramped up at the very end. It's going to be interesting. But, Rob, real quick before we leave this game, 
what's your takeaway on the Chiefs? I don't know if it's just me, but they just don't look right. Like there's something about this team. Defensively, they're starting to play a lot better. Clearly, they slowed down the the very prolific Dolphins offense, but I just don't I don't know what it is. It it, it just seems like it's Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey is all they really have on offense. What's your take on the Chiefs? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if maybe this is a defensive led team. I mean, right now they're fourth in yards allowed in the league. They're second in sacks. They have 31 sacks on the season. Only the Ravens have more sacks than Kansas City. Like you said, Mahomes and Kelsey is deadly. Like no one has been able to stop it. But I think we're sleeping on this Chiefs defense with Steve Spagnolo there. I think that maybe, you know, while they're sort of regrouping on offense, I think this is kind of a defense first team. Yeah, it, and that's really weird to say. That's really strange yes. when you talk about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. By the way, Brian Cook was the defensive back that picked up the ball, and as Patrick Mahomes said, he looked like he was running the anchor leg of a four by one hundred meter relay. I think I <laughs> he saw was gone. Yeah, I think I saw it was like the fastest anybody's ever carried the ball for the Chiefs this year. Like I think he got up to like twenty one miles an hour or something. That insane. is insane so the, the chiefs win over there over, over in germany the dolphins they lose another tough one i'll tell you a game that wasn't even close this, this is the second time we've talked about this team blowing the doors off an nfc team almost felt like after kickoff this game's over that's the ravens taking care of business against the seattle seahawks oh how about to the tune of 37 to 3 this they pulled lamar jackson with almost the entire fourth quarter left and we're just like yeah we got this I mean, they ran the ball. The Ravens ran the ball well. The Gus bus continues to just find the end zone. <laughs> Rob, like the Ravens are legit. The Seahawks, I don't even know what to think of the Seahawks. They're very up and down. The Seahawks, again, are another team where you look and you say, who have they beaten? Uh, well, let's see. They beat the Lions. Okay, that was a pretty good win. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Giants. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Browns. That's who the Seahawks have beaten. Who are the teams they lost to? The Rams, the Ravens, and the Bengals. So yeah. I have questions about Seattle, but one thing I noticed in this game, and I think I've noticed it a few times, you got to have a defense that can get a sack when they need one. I've saw it within this game. We saw it in the Philly Cowboys game, which I know we'll get to mm -hmm. the Ravens lead the league in sacks. They have 35 sacks. Every time Seattle tried to do something, it was sack, <clears throat> excuse me. And Seattle's behind the chains. Then it's now it's second and 18 or third yeah. and 21. You can't function consistently in that kind of a setup in that kind of a situation. Baltimore has proven that they can absolutely get sacks when they need them. And it made a huge, huge difference in this game. Geno Smith sacked four times. Well, you know, the funny thing is, too, is I was watching this game, obviously, as an AFC North fan. Yep. And there was a point in this game, the Seahawks, they do get to Lamar Jackson. They, they have a strip sack. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. They got mm -hmm. their turnover. They got that big takeaway. They do nothing with it. Like, that's the thing with the Ravens. Like, if you if they make a mistake, which he, hey, Lamar Jackson does tend to make mistakes. He has had a ton of fumble this fumbles this season. You have to capitalize. You have to capitalize on those because they're not going to make a ton of mistakes. And when they do, if you don't, they're going to burn you. This team is explosive. They're starting to get their passing game going. Yep. And I can speak as an AFC team and an AFC North team as a fan of the Steelers. This is frightening. If they can start to throw the ball as well as they do always run the ball, this is going to be a really tough team to beat. And I think that the Ravens are a team that we always talk about the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Bills. No one talks about the Baltimore Ravens, but they should be. Do you agree? I completely agree. But we're talking about a MVP quarterback and not like MVP level. Like, no, he's actually won the MVP award. It was yeah. unanimous. He was the youngest, I think, unanimous MVP winner in league history. They are incredibly good. And you talk about that possession, right? Oh, Lamar fumbles. Seahawks get the ball back. What happens? Second and 10, Geno Smith sacked minus 11 <laughs> yards. Then it's third and 21. Well, what does yeah. he have to do in that situation? Drop back and look for something deep, right? Well, then he gets hit by Kyle Van Noy. He fumbles. The Ravens get the ball back. The sacks, man, I'm telling you, it is it is stunning how much of a difference they make. And I would not want to play the Baltimore Ravens right now in the AFC. And you mentioned it. How about your AFC North? If the season ended today, every team in the division would be in the playoffs. The whole division would make the playoffs. Yeah, the worst... the. The five and three teams, there's three teams with a five and three record in the AFC North. Like that's insane. And people can poo-poo the Steelers five and three record all you want. But what did Bill Parcell say? 
You are what your record says you. You're five and three. You're five and three. You somehow found a way to beat the Ravens. Should you have? That's debatable, but still you did. You can't take that win away because it wasn't pretty enough for you. I mean, it's it's incredible what the AFC North is. We'll talk about another AFC North here, but let's look at the Ravens' upcoming slate. They've got the Browns next week. That's a tough one. And they've got the Bengals, Chargers, Rams, Jags, 49ers, Dolphins, and finish the season with the Steelers. Doesn't get easier. It does no. not get easier for the Baltimore Ravens. That's that sure. is a brutal schedule, and I have a sinking, sinking feeling that the Baltimore Ravens are going to ruin my Christmas when they play the 49ers. I just I tweeted it out yesterday. I saw I, it. I saw you tweet it. The Ravens would eat the 49ers alive, and people are coming at me. I'm sorry you don't like it, but this is exactly the kind of team I don't want to play. A team that has a mobile, extremely mobile quarterback a team that can run the ball, a team that can get pressure on the quarterback, and a team that is aggressive on fourth down, which we're going to talk about when we get into some of the other games. That is a horrible combination when you're playing my team. I want no part of it right now. No, no, I don't think a lot of people do want any part of the Ravens. And the biggest question coming out of Baltimore, and it's always a question coming out of Baltimore, I live in this damn state, so I know this for a fact, is can Lamar Jackson stay healthy? Like that's the biggest question every single year for the Ravens. Cause it just seems like the last two to three years he's been banged up. has been out of the lineup. He missed the playoffs last year. Can they keep him healthy? We shall see. Let's go to another AFC North team. Cleveland Browns do something which is very rare in today's NFL. They shut out a team. They beat the Arizona Cardinals 27 to nothing at home. The defense pitches a shutout. They had had a couple weeks there, the Cleveland Brown defense where they were giving up a lot of points. Well, they got back on track. I started them in my daily fantasy, and I was glad that I did because I don't even know. The Cardinals, they traded Josh Dobbs away. We'll talk about him when we get to the Vikings game. And Kyler Murray's not back. I don't even know who the hell the starter was. Guys never even played before. The Browns did what they were supposed to do. That's my takeaway. Clayton Toon would be the starter for ah, the Cardinals. there you go. Clayton Toon. The Cardinals, I believe, are in full Caleb Williams mode. I truly believe that. I don't think Kyler Murray's going to be their quarterback beyond this year. Um, look good on Cleveland, right? You did what you were supposed to do. Like you said, you sacked Clayton Toon seven times. Clayton Toon's QBR in this game was 1.6. Not ideal for Arizona. They are in the elegant tank mode in Arizona and good on Cleveland. They ran the ball well enough. 40 carries for 113 yards, only 2.8 yards per carry. But they just stuck with it. The Cardinals were not going to score, so they shortened the game, and they get the shutout. And Deshaun Watson returns and finishes the game 19-32, for two touchdowns. But let me ask you about Arizona real quick, because you're an NFC West guy. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me why the Cardinals would even play Kyler Murray this year? Like, I, I can't, like, even if I'm a Cardinals fan, yeah, you want your team to win, but you realize the writing's on the wall. You're one and eight. You're, you're not going to the postseason or anything. I could make a case to say that Kyler Murray should just stay on the bench and you should be in that Caleb Williams sweepstake. What's your take on that? My take, I think maybe what they're wondering is we haven't seen Kyler in this new system, right? We've only seen Kyler with Cliff Kingsbury. It's true. So maybe we want to get a look at him just to see, because let's say for some reason, like it clicks, right? And he's phenomenal in the system. You signed him to a deal. So if, if you think it works with him now, it's like, wait a minute. Well, now maybe with this top pick, we can go get a defender or a corner or whoever. So I think they owe it to themselves to at least see how it looks. But I think if it doesn't click and doesn't click right away, I think they're going to make a move. They can recoup. They're going to get draft picks for Kyler Murray if they trade him. So I think that's their thinking there is like, it's a win-win for us. If we play him and he looks good, great for us. If we play him and it doesn't work out, we'll trade him because somebody's going to want him. I mean, Trust me, somebody's going to trade for Kyler Murray. So I think that's maybe what they're thinking in Arizona. And if it is, I agree with it. Yeah. Now, I, I hate the Browns. I don't want to, I do want to talk about them a little bit after this game. So we talked about, let's look and see if the Browns are going to go anywhere, right? Are they going to keep hanging around? So they have the Ravens next week, then mm-hmm. the Steelers, Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears, Texans, Jets, and finish with the Bengals. I'm sorry. As much as I hate them, I don't think the Browns are going anywhere. They're going to be every bit a part of the wild card picture. I don't think that the division title for a lot of the teams in AFC North is probably not reachable, but still a playoff berth. I, I don't see them going anywhere. Do you? 
it's not out of the question. It's going to be tough. Like that Ravens game is going to be extremely, extremely tough. They got whooped by the Ravens 28 to three when they played them earlier in the year. All the games are going to be difficult. The thing with the Browns is I think they could win any of those games, but they could also lose any of those games. Uh, And they need that defense to bow up in a big, big way. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, I mean, say what you want about him. He he does give him probably the best chance to win over P.J. Walker, but it doesn't mean that he is playing at that elite level that he got his contract for. So the Browns, we'll see if they stick around. Let's go to a game which was back and forth, up and down, all the way to the final finish, the Houston Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud has a day and a half. This guy goes off. I think he had better stats in this one game than Kenny Pickett all season. I'm not sure, but we'll have to double check. 39 to 37. This game was crazy, Rob. Like, I, I don't even know. I'm not a fan of either of these teams, but I found myself watching the end of this game saying, wow, what a game. 39 37. What's your takeaway? Uh, here's how crazy the game was Houston got the go ahead field goal from running back Dare <laughs> Ogunbowale. That's right. That's right. Yes. A running back kicked the go-ahead field goal because their kicker got hurt in the game. So it was the first non-kicker to make a field goal in a regular season game since Wes Welker in 2004. But you're right about C.J. Stroud. Set the rookie record for passing yards in a game. 470 passing yards, five touchdowns. And Chris Sims had a great tweet. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice for some reason. C.J. Stroud had eight completions of 20 or more yards Jeez. on the day. Just chunk plays all the way down the field, including on the final drive. Like, we should be talking about Baker Mayfield today because Tampa Bay goes down. They get the ball back with four minutes and 27 seconds. They go all the way down the field. They score a touchdown with 46 seconds left in the game to take yep. the lead. And you're like, oh, man, Baker's pulling this thing out. And C.J. Stroud gets the ball back. 46 seconds left, one timeout. They go six plays, 75 yards, and with six seconds left, Shroud hits uh, Tank Dell for 15 yards. Touchdown. The Houston Texans, man, we are starting to already talk about coaches that could be replaced. Is it Bobby Slowick? Is that, I know Slowick is his yep. last name. His, he is going to be up there. After only one season as a coordinator because of the job he's doing with C.J. Stroud and that offense at Houston, and he he's going to be a name. His, that name is going to be circulating quickly. I love what the Houston Texans are doing. If I was a Texans fan, I would be so pumped right now because you can just see what D'Amico Ryans is building. C.J. Stroud should have that fan base giddy as hell after what he did, not just on this Sunday, but all season. The guy's been great all year for a rookie quarterback. And I got to think that the Carolina Panthers are like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You chose, it's like the Indiana Jones, right? (laughs) You chose poorly. (laughs) Now their face is melting off while CJ Stroud is just absolutely light. I mean, look at these numbers. Noah Brown for the Texans, six for 153, a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, 10 for 130 and a touchdown. Tank Dell, six for 114 and two touchdowns. I mean, it was a party. Everybody into the pool for the Houston Texans. You you got to have so much optimism if you're a Houston fan. And this year is like house money. Like, you didn't expect to compete. You're four and four right now. You're three and one at home. Are you winning a Super Bowl? No. But, oh, my goodness, is the arrow pointing up in Houston. Oh, yes. And Tampa Bay, the, the, the NFC South is bad. But yes. I mean, they just can't get out of their own way, and they're three and five now, and it's looking like it's a the Saints are probably going to run away with this thing, as they probably should have anyways. But man, this was a huge win for the Houston Texans. I, I, they're four and four, and so let's it's worth looking at what they have coming up. Tough game next week against the Bengals, Cardinals, Jaguars, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, and finish with the Colts. I'm sorry, they they could also be a team that if they are nine and eight floating around that 500 mark at the end. They could be in discussion for a wild card spot. I don't know if that's going to happen, but like you said, if you're a Texans fan, you got to be super pumped. Like this is exactly what you've been waiting for. You've got the franchise quarterback as it looks right now. You've got the head young head coach. You got the offensive play caller, man. What a win. What a game. That was a crazy game. Crazy. This crazy is going to be a season where next year when Houston is contending, they're going to look back and say, we built this last year. They're going to say, we learned last year we could win. We learned last year we could win close games and pull it out. Like 
this is just a foundational year for Houston. There, there are cycles that teams go through in their in their process to contending for a Super Bowl. This is a year you have to have when if you're going to compete for a Super Bowl down the line. They're building it up this year. Everything is good for Houston right now. Just keep doing what you're doing in 2024. You're going to be right in the mix. Absolutely. And people like they're saying this is the best team since Deshaun Watson. I, I'm sorry. I don't remember any Deshaun Watson led Texans team having this feel to it. Like they were winning and Deshaun Watson was incredible. It just feels like they're putting together a really good team. Like it's, it's a team. It's, it's, it's a defense that is starting to really put things together. You give up 37 points. That's not great, but I'm telling you, this team's going to be tough. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with down, down the road for sure. All right, let's go to a game, which, was a little bit unbearable at times. Nonetheless, the New Orleans Saints and Chicago Bears went head-to-head. The Saints pull out the 24-17 victory. Still no Justin Fields in this game. Tyler Bajan went uh, as the starter for the, the Bears again. And Taysom Hill, he's making some plays. He's that weird hybrid-type player. They're utilizing his strength as a thrower, receiver, runner, you name it. Uh, the Saints are 5-4, and four and they're atop the division. What are your What's your takeaway from this game? Yeah. <laughs> exactly that's what i thought <laughs> so you know how like in a lot of tv shows there's always like one or two episodes per season where you're like this is just a terrible episode it's yeah. not good nothing happened that's what this is two bad teams i mean the bears are just a tire fire right now there's not the only good thing about the bears is dj Moore. other than that just no reason to even pay attention to them or watch them and the saints are the best of a bunch of bad teams in the division. They're five and four. Yay. Congratulations. They're not going anywhere. They have no future. They're going to be just a gift to a playoff team in the NFC. It's like, Oh great. We get to play the saints in round one. That's almost like a buy. Yeah. I, they do have a decent defense. I will say New Orleans defense is, mm-hmm. is better than I think a lot of people give them credit for. It's their offense and, and their fan base is very, it's very much mirroring the Steelers fan base with their disgust towards the offensive coordinator and the play caller. Uh, some people will say that maybe you got married to the wrong quarterback and Derek Carr, that's a potential as well. Uh, but nonetheless, Saints find a way to win. I'm trying to think of storylines here. The Bears continue to stink. Uh, Justin Fields is, again, not in the lineup. Therefore, they have no idea what they have in him and his, even if it was trade value, it, it's it's bad. It's, it's a bad state of affairs in Chicago. But the Saints win, and again, looks like they at least have the, they're the leader in the clubhouse right now in the division. They're going to host, someone's going to host a freaking home game. <laughs> That's what I can't get over. And the you NFC. go on the road to play the Saints in the playoffs. Yes. And, and that is a tough place to play. It gets really loud there in New Orleans and the Super Bowl. I don't know. Let's go to another NFC game, which was a crazy finish based on the quarterback being injured and leaving. And this does feature an NFC South team in the Atlanta Falcons with the Minnesota Vikings and Joshua Dobbs. That's right. Joshua Dobbs, the journeyman. He's turning into like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the most recent NFL in terms of teams he's played for. They find a way to win 31 to 28. The Minnesota Vikings without Kirk Cousins have now rattled off some wins. They're five and four hanging around. A lot of Vikings fans will say this win was great, but it was also kind of a, a bane in the fact that maybe it just kind of sunk their draft stock. I don't know. I don't buy into that theory, but what's your take? This is an incredible win for the Minnesota Vikings. Remember no, Justin Jefferson. He was out. They lost KJ Osborne, their second best wide receiver to a concussion. And they lost cam Akers during the game. And oh, by the way, Jaron Hall started a quarterback. He got a concussion. He left. Josh Dobbs comes in. He doesn't even know his teammates' names. He literally has been with the Vikings for five days. And he comes in and takes them down the field at the end of the game to throw the game-winning touchdown pass in this one with 22 seconds left. This is an absurd victory for the Minnesota Vikings. But good on them. You know what? Like, I... I get it. You're probably not going anywhere. There's no Kirk Cousins, but this is just an awesome win. How could you not be happy for Josh Dobbs? Uh, as a Steeler fan, like you get to know these players a little bit more, and he is the epitome of a class act. Like, wherever he's gone, he's never once complained. He's never once said, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or I deserve better. And the dude is a freaking rocket scientist. Like, let's also not forget, he's unbelievably Mm -hmm. smart. So when you're talking about a guy that's only been there for five days, being able to step into the huddle, command the huddle, get the verbiage out, it's because he is an extremely smart human being, and he can handle this. And I did hear 
that uh, the their head coach was having to, or their offensive coordinator, the play caller was having to kind of translate the play calls to him because he wasn't very familiar. It doesn't matter. It worked. They win. I'm not saying this is sustainable, but for one week, the Minnesota Vikings fan base have got to be like, what a win. Like, what a, that's crazy. All the odds stacked against you. The Atlanta Falcons, who have switched, you've been calling for the uh, Taylor Henneke era to begin. It begun not in great fashion. They lose 31 to 28. But man, this is, again, one of many crazy games and crazy endings in week nine. And with the Falcons, like, I don't understand what they're doing with some of their play calls. Like, they look like at times they are actively trying to score without giving Bijan Robinson the football. Like they look like they're like, oh, everyone thinks he's going to get it. Well, guess what? We could do it without him. Well, guess what? You can't like give the man the football. I, it's so weird. There are times there was a, a possession in this game. They get down in the red zone and they just do. They don't even give him a touch, a handoff, nothing like what? I don't understand what the hell Arthur Smith is doing. I don't understand anything he's doing. I don't understand. We talked about this week by week after week leading up until this game. What is the fascination with Desmond Ritter? What do you see about him that makes you think like, yeah, this is it. This is what we want. He is trying to play 1990s football in 2023, and it just doesn't work. And especially when your defense can't stop Joshua Dobbs and the final <laughs> drive of the Minnesota Vikings, that doesn't work either. If you're going to have a crappy offense, you got to have a really good defense if you want to win games. It doesn't seem like Atlanta has either. But again, Minnesota, five and four. Uh, let's let's do our diligence. They have the Saints next week. You just said that's a that's a win, right? Maybe. Then they go to the Broncos then the Bears, then the Raiders. I'm sorry, but those games right there are unbelievably winnable. They could find their way back into some form of contention. My concern is they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josh Dobbs is okay. I mean, getting Justin Jefferson back will certainly help. That's for sure. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of teams that, like, are not great, but they're not tire fires. The Vikings are not a tire fire like the Bears are like so many other teams we see like you you can't just show up and beat them you got to be on it and i think that's what the, that's what minnesota is going to be the rest of the year i agree let's go on to a game which was in lambeau field the green bay packers and la rams the rams did not have matthew stafford uh it was the banged up rams team the packers 20 to 3 final score maybe not as indicative of how close this game was I was watching this game for fantasy football purposes and uh, it was close seven to three at halftime. And then the Packers eventually pull away. Neither of these teams impressed me. The Steelers play the Packers next week. So I was watching it in that regard as well. Jordan love. I'm not sold on him. What is your take on Jordan love and the Packers, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a, this is just a find out year. I mean, you've had this Christmas present under the tree for how long in Jordan Love, and you finally got to unwrap it this year. Let's see what it is. It doesn't, the record, I don't really care about if you're the Packers. Just find out at the end of this year, you got to be able to answer the question can Jordan Love play or not play? That's all this year is about. And here's how bad it was for the Packers. Not only were they on a four game losing streak, they scored a touchdown in the second quarter. It was the first time they scored a TD in the first half since September 17th. That's how bad the drought was for the Packers. Uh, and you know what? They they did what they needed to do against the backup quarterback for the Rams. But all this year is about is can Jordan Love play? Man, you say that stat and I think of like the Steelers, horrible offensive statistics and that they've had. And it's like, who can't wait for week 10 at Akersher Stadium between the Steelers and Packers? Oh, brutal. <laughs> Oh, you have to be a fan of one of the teams to enjoy that. But the Packers win 20 to three. They fight. I think they break a, a pretty nasty losing streak. They're three and five. The Rams are three and six. Both of these teams aren't going anywhere. I really don't feel the need to spend too much time on this game. Let's let's talk about the next game. I thought this was actually entertaining. Again, when I the Steelers aren't playing, I'm bouncing around a lot of times based on my Fandle league. I want to see how the players are doing. And I had some commanders on my roster this week because they saved me some money. They actually panned out. Commanders find a way to win 20 to 17. And Sam Howe, he's he's making plays. You know what came to mind though? And I want to bring this up because I hate I hate constantly making officiating a narrative. Did you happen to see the roughing the passer call on Mac Jones where he got a blindside hit? It was just a blindside sack, and they threw roughing the passer. Did you see that play? I actually did not see that play. 
Oh my gosh. Again, I don't even know what they expect the defender to do because I feel like even if he would have just two hands shoved him, it was very reminiscent of the Minka Fitzpatrick Sunday night against Jimmy Garoppolo in Las Vegas hit, but it's just Mac Jones oh, landed on him. I see. I'm watching it now. Okay. He yeah, landed. Like, th- listen to what you just said. He landed on him. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. It is tackle football. <laughs> what they want you to do is they want you to sort of roll to the side so that all your body weight doesn't come down and smash the quarterback into the ground. But it just, it does look weird when you have to, you have to soften the blow for the defender as you're trying to stop the defender or the, the guy from moving the football. So yeah, it's very frustrating. Uh, that is the rule though. And like, on the one hand, it's frustrating, but on the other, like how many backup quarterbacks have we seen so far? 14, I think, so far yeah. this season. And the That's NFL true. is like, backup quarterbacks suck. We want the starters on the field, so you better not land on them. But do you really want Mac Jones in the game? Like, no. I mean, <laughs> this dude, he is struggling. He throws an interception to seal the win for the commanders. And uh, I don't know, maybe Ron Rivera is going to somehow, some way save his job. I don't necessarily see it, but the commanders find a way to win. Any other takeaways from this game, Rob? I think the commander, I think Ron Rivera's fate was sealed when they traded away sweat and chase. I Young agree. At I the agree like, they know they're, they're going to, you know, tear this thing down and build it up again. I will say I felt bad because the Mac Jones interception on the final drive clanged right off the receiver's hands. Like the Patriots are going down the field and I'm like, Holy hell, they might actually pull this thing out. And Mac Jones puts it right on Juju Smith Schuster and just bonk right off the hands, right into the hands of Martin. And uh, that was it. They got all the way down to the 40 to the commander's 41 yard line with 30 seconds to go. It's just unfortunate. Let me ask you a question about a quarterback. Cause I, I think everyone assumes Mac Jones is not that guy and they might be looking to move on from him after this season. What about Sam? Howell? finishes 29 and 45, 325, one touchdown, one interception. We know he gets sacked an insane amount of times, <laughs> but still like, this is a third round draft pick. Did they find something here? Did they get a diamond in the rough? It's an interesting question. I don't know that I can answer it yet. He's he has some weeks that I love him, and then he's got a week like he had against the Bills where he throws 170 yards with four picks. So, yeah. but I will give him credit. I mean, the guy is tough as iron. He's been sacked 44 times in nine games. <laughs> That's insane. Um <laughs> They have some pieces around him in Washington that I like. Now, they're not all healthy at the moment. Curtis Samuel is a little banged up, but they have Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel, when he's healthy, is a good player. I like Brian Robinson, the running back. So this isn't a situation where, like, the cupboard is bare. But I just think you need a real coach in there. If you got a young quarterback, I always like a, an offensive head coach. I just feel like that works better. I, I'm not ruling it out. I'll say that with yeah. Sam Howell. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of it might come down to what Eric Bieniemy thinks, and if they maybe just promote him to head coach if Ron Rivera is gone, you know. But hey, for for sack watch out there, like Panda Watch back at Anchorman, he Sam Howe was sacked three times in this game, so the the pace might have lessened last week. I think he only got sacked once the prior yes. week. Now he's back to three. We'll see. Can he eclipse the hundred sack mark? We shall see. I, that would be that would be horrible for him and his health but still something to watch. Let's go to a game that wasn't really that close either. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts used their ground game to absolutely smother the Panthers. The Panthers one win was short lived and now they're back on the losing streak. Colts win 27 to 13 and they're four and five. The AFC South seems to be a one horse race with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Anyways, Carolina's one and seven. Was there anything about this game that you thought was noteworthy? Bryce young man just continues to turn the football over seven interceptions now in seven starts. I know he doesn't have a ton of talent around him, but you want to see something, some glimmer of hope right now with him. And I just don't see it. Yeah. Again, they're probably watching the Texans and saying, damn, yep. You chose poorly. (laughs) Telling you a cup of the carpenter gets you every time. It's so funny. I can't. We got to move on. All right, let's go to the Giants and the Raiders. The Raiders with new and coach Antonio Pierce. With did you, have you heard some of this crap coming out about the Raiders in the meeting that took place with Josh McDaniels and Antonio? Oh my gosh! Like Antonio Pierce stood up and talked about his Giants team that beat the Patriots, and 
and then Josh McDaniel says, "Don't you talk about the Patriots?" Like, what is going on? <laughs> it's this is absurd. So people that don't know, like the Raiders had a come to Jesus meeting where they're like, "Well, yes. it's not good with Josh McDaniels. We got a lot of problems with you people." And they aired the grievances, for lack yes. of a better term. Estimates early. They are just crushing Josh McDaniels in this meeting. And it gets so bad that McDaniels has Antonio Pierce speak up for him and speak up for the coaches. And Antonio Pierce talks about how we have to establish a culture of belief, about how we have to believe we can beat any team no matter what, because we don't have that right now. And he talked about the Giants beating the undefeated Patriots. I don't know specifically what he said about the Patriots, but we all know how the game turned out. The Giants beat the Patriots. And after... Josh McDaniels spends this meeting just being a pinata and just getting hit from all angles. McDaniels takeaway is to go to Antonio Pierce and say, don't talk about the Patriots like that. <laughs> what? What the <laughs> hell? I don't know what's going on with that guy. Let's be honest. We all know he's going to end up back in new England. They'll probably rehire him again on their offensive staff. Cause they always do. But this was the easiest bet. I took the Raiders giving one and a half points in this game. This was the easiest bet in the world. Always take a team when they fire the coach and they get the interim head coach. They always get that boost. Plus, he was playing against the Giants who stink. And Daniel Jones might have torn his ACL in this game, which is terrible yeah. for him. But I knew the Raiders were going to win this game. And the Raiders were at home. This was easy, easy money to me. Man, and, and even think back to when Jeff Saturday got hired by the Colts and in interim yep. basis. I believe they won for him as well. Very interesting. The the Raiders owe their coaches that are no longer coaching for them. What is it like eighty million dollars? Like because it goes back to Gruden and now McDaniel's. Like it's some absurd total of money that they are just paying these coaches to do nothing. I mean, Josh McDaniels, if I'm him, I'm pulling a Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to go over to Asia. I'll be back when I come back. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so according to Adam Schefter, the Raiders are currently enduring a cost of $85 million for the firings Yo. of Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and other assistant coaches. Now, the good news for the Raiders is that doesn't count against the cap, but you got to believe it when – comes to free agent signings and such mark davis is going to be factoring in oh i'm also paying 85 million to guys that don't work here anymore oh my gosh 85 million dollars holy jeez like, what a cluster when th this news broke i believe it was like one o'clock in the morning yep and so you know that this was it was bad enough that the the owner says you're gone at 1 a.m. This wasn't a 4 p.m. news dump on a Friday. This was a one o'clock in the morning. He's out of here. I don't know. Do you think the Raiders use this as motivation and kind of bounce back in some way? Not like they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Or do you think this was just a one week thing? Uh, I think it's probably a one week thing. I don't think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. Aiden O'Connell is going to be their quarterback going forward. Jimmy Garoppolo is firmly entrenched on the bench, which is where he belongs. Uh, <laughs> but I think it'll be better than it was for the Raiders. Like everything you hear about Josh McDaniels was that he was just awful to play for. Just made the conditions there unlivable. And it just, to me, seems like an example of another one of these Belichick assistant coaches trying to Belichick away from the Patriots. And it never works because you can't be an a-hole when you haven't won. And Belichick won so he could get away with anything. When you have, when you don't have that equity in your team, in your locker room, and you lose, it's just going to go south fast. Yeah, and you also have to have a quarterback. That's also very important. Yes. Because Belichick without Brady has not been good. So, all right, let's go to the game that everyone was excited about. I know this was the game that I was, I, honestly, I was more excited to watch this one than I was even the 930 Dolphins and Chiefs. It was the Cowboys and Eagles, 425 primetime slot. Here we go. I loved, I thought everything about this game was great. I thought Fox's coverage was great. I do love uh, their A squad. There's a, it's great commentary. Yes. Uh, Philadelphia finds a way to win 28 to 23, but man, was there some controversy at the end? I don't think it's controversy. It's pretty clear cut that both times that the, the Dallas Cowboys thought they had a touchdown on fourth down and they thought they had a two point conversion with Dak Prescott. They did not. So you can be pissed off if you're a Cowboys fan, but ultimately the calls were made correctly. Like the reviews worked, but the Eagles Boy, did they hang on to dear life at the end. 28-23, huge win for them. Cowboys have to be absolutely livid. Dak Prescott, I thought, played a pretty good game and yet has nothing to show for it. 
I thought this game was played at such a high level for both teams. I thought Dak was absolutely cooking, especially early in the game. You mentioned it. This game came down to, to me, three plays and probably a matter of 16 inches. The first was the fourth and goal touchdown pass that was overturned. You mentioned it would have made it 28-23, and then Dallas probably would have gone for two, considering they eventually did when they scored right. the touchdown later. But that was overturned. That was about 10 minutes to go. Then Dallas does score a touchdown to make it 28-23. They go for two with about six and a half left in the game, and Dak Prescott steps out of bounds at the one-yard line. He would have scored the two-point conversion to make that a three-point game. And then the Eagles get the ball back, a minute and seven to go, and they're running out the clock. It's third down, and Swift crashes into A.J. Brown and fumbles the ball at the 32-yard line. And the ball is on the ground, just waiting for Dallas to pick it up. Michael Parsons is right there. He's scrambling. Ultimately, the Eagles get the ball back. That would have turned the game, obviously, for the Cowboys. But Jeff, Philly did everything they could to lose this game. Dallas gets the ball back first and 10 with on the 14-yard line with 46 seconds left. First play, Dallas gets a 36-yard pass interference flag. All of a sudden, they're at midfield after one play. And you're like, my God, is this really going to happen? And Dak is moving the ball down the field. They're getting out of bounds. They're stopping the clock. Hits CeeDee Lamb for 14 yards. First and 10. They get to the Eagles' 11-yard line. Eagles go off sides. Five more yards. It's first and five at the Philly six-yard line with 27 seconds to go. And we're if this game goes the way it's going, we're talking about the Eagles choking and gacking it up and how Prescott came through at the end and how it was so clutch and everything. And then what happens? First and 10, the Eagles get a false start. Yep. First and 10 at the Eagles 11-yard line. And Dak Prescott gets sacked. The Philly defense rises up, getting a massive, massive sack when they need it. Then it was second and 21 from the 22-yard line, and Dallas can't ultimately score. But to me, it was the Eagles almost gacking it up at the end, but getting a huge, huge sack to ultimately seal it. Yeah, the defense, which it looked gassed, and you know, it was it was a great call where the, the announcer and, and oh my gosh, the color who's who's doing the color on the A squad for Fox right now? Greg Olson, great, the best. Yes, Greg Olson is fantastic. He goes, man. Philly would kill for a timeout right now. They've got to get their defense together, but they had no timeouts left because of injuries and they had to use their timeouts without the, you know, because they couldn't do the runoff and all that stuff. Like it was just insane the way this game finished. And the Cowboys fans have got to be just kicking themselves today. Yeah. Like a huge missed opportunity on more than one occasion. And even you bring up like the way that that game ended and they moved down the field. I think there was a personal foul roughing the passer call on Hassan Reddick on that final series as well. Yep. I thought it might've come right after that pass interference call. And so that even moved them even further down the field. I'm yeah. thinking about you were Rob, is this really going to happen? Like, is this happening? The Eagles hang on, cling to dear life. And they now have a stranglehold on that division at eight and one. That's a, that's an incredible record in and of itself. But now you look at Dallas at five and three, and boy, is that a huge difference because Dallas, you look at their upcoming games, it softens a, a lot. I mean, they have the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Seahawks. Then it gets a little bit tougher. But then when you go to Philly, their road doesn't get e easier either. They've got the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys, Seahawks, and then they go Giants and Cardinals before they finish with the Giants again. This NFC East, I'm going to say it right now, it is not over. Everyone that thinks that the, the Eagles are just going to run away with it, it's going to be close between these two teams, and the Cowboys are going to have to hope. They're going to have to hope that the Eagles somehow trip up along the way. But, man, what a game. This is a fantastic game. A couple of things I want to say about this one before we move on. First of all, think about how much different it looks. Think about the swing, right? If Dallas wins, they're 6-3. and three. The Eagles are 7-2. and two. Dallas obviously has the win over them. The division is, you know, much, much more up for grabs. Dallas is much more competing for the number one seed in the conference. It was, it would have been a massive, massive swing if the Cowboys had won this game. And the other thing I'll say is this, and Niner fans get mad at me when I say this. All the Eagles do is win. Yeah. You can sit there and tell me how vulnerable the Eagles look. Jalen Hurts is banged up, and, well, they gave up a lot of points to Washington, and they this, that, and the other thing. All they do is win. 
They were down multiple times in this game. They never panic. They never go away from what, you know, their identity and what makes them successful. And they just come back and they find a way to grind out wins. That is not, that doesn't just happen. That happens because of good coaching. That happens because of players that don't freak out and don't panic and that are disciplined. I know they almost gacked it up in this game, but they didn't. And so like, don't focus on what almost happened. Focus on what actually happened. And the Eagles for the eighth time in nine games have won. You know, there's games and we know this from our own fan perspectives that when the season is over and you look back at the schedule and you say, dang it, that one got away. That's the game. This that's this game for Dallas. They are going to circle this game in Philadelphia and say, what could have been? You just mentioned how different the NFC East standings would look like if they find a way to win, but they don't. And Philly is, they are happy to take an ugly win an eight and one record top in the NFL. Good for Philly. It was a good game, but a great, Hey, anything else before we move on? Oh, now Philly gets the bye week, right? Yeah. They go into the bye. They would have, they would have had the loss. They would have had to sit on that loss to the Cowboys for the, nope. All good. Eight and one. Jalen Hurts gets the rest up. He looked, he looked very banged up in this one. He took a yes. shot to the knee, um, but they just keep doing it. They keep finding a way. There you go. Let's go to the Sunday night game to finish things up. It was a good one. Bills go back to Cincinnati. The last time they were in Cincinnati was obviously when DeMar Hamlin uh, had that cardiac arrest and they had to cancel the game and the Bengals, they look like they're back. They look like they are back in a big way. The Bills, again, we've talked about this week after week. You just never see any level of consistency with this team. 24 to 18 is the final score. Rob, what did you take away from this game? One, Cincinnati, yeah, they look like they are rounding into form in a big way. But I feel like we talk about this every week on the show. Fourth down decisions, man. Yep. It matters in the league. And I just loved, so the game is 14-7 Cincinnati, right? They, they score touchdowns early. And Cincinnati has the ball and there's three minutes and 29 seconds left. And they start driving down the field, uh, 329 left in the first half. Excuse me. They start driving down the field and you know, they're gutting it out and it's fourth down and one at the bills, 36 yard line, 239 to go. What do we do for Cincinnati? Guess what? We go for it. Joe Burrow completes it to Jamar chase for 11 yards they eventually go down the field and they score a touchdown to make it a 21-7 game. Totally changes the game, the entire complexion of it. They go into halftime with a two-touchdown lead. Then, Bills get the ball first to start the second half. And they start going down the field. And it's fourth and nine at the Cincinnati 16. And what do they do? They kick the field goal to make it a 21-10 game. Who cares? You're still down two scores at that point. These teams have got to understand. I don't know. It's very simple math. Six is worth twice as much as three. I don't know why they don't understand it. They they get scared by that number four on the dial, the dial it down on the sideline. But man, you got to go for it on fourth down. And these teams don't do it. And it totally changes the complexion of these games. Well, not to mention the complexion of the game up until that point. You hadn't been stopping the Cincinnati Bengals anyways. You right. gave up 21 points in the first half. Now, your defense rises up to the challenge in the second half. You only give up a field goal. But still, you bring up that point. Like, it's not one of those games like, hey, our defense is doing the thing. Like, they're doing the thing. We're going to kick a field goal. They're we're going to they're get the ball back to us, and we're going to move down the field and add more points. It wasn't even that type of game. It was the antithesis of that. And so that's where, again, I agree with that based on the tenor of the game. The tenor of the game at that moment was you need a touchdown or else this thing's going to be over real quick. Granted, doesn't really play out that way, and, and it turns into a one-score game. Nonetheless, the Bengals, man, again, I, I keep on watching all these damn games as an AFC North fan thinking, okay, here's the game that Bills are going to beat the Bengals and drop them down a peg. No, they keep winning five and three. It's a muddled mess in the AFC North and in the AFC East. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know what to think. I mean, you've got six and three, Miami, four and three, New York, five and four, Buffalo, New England, two and seven. I don't even know what to think about that division. I mean, you said it earlier, right? Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. The Bills, you're five and four. Like you're supposed to be like a the powerhouse, one of the teams in the AFC. And you're sitting there at five and four. 
the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers. Like the opportunity is there for you. Now, look, they beat Miami the first time they played him. So that's obviously good. So they're clearly in contention in the AFC East. But I look at it like, what? why is your offense not able to score at times? You have good players. Dalton Kincaid's a good tight end. Stephon Diggs is awesome. Josh Allen can go God mode at any moment. The defense, you, you said they couldn't stop Cincinnati. I think the offense was the bigger problem last yeah. night. For sure. I mean, it, the the Cincinnati in the first half was just moving the ball at will. I mean, it, it, it was like, Joe Burrow, pick your poison. You want T. Higgins? You want Jamar Chase? You want Tyler Boyd? Hey, how about Joe Mixon? Sure, we'll do whatever we want. Second half is a different story. But again, you hope that at some point the Buffalo Bills offense is going to be a consistent force. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be. You have that franchise quarterback. You just mentioned all the weapons they have. I just don't see it. Not at a consistent level. The Buffalo Bills are... Man, I get they're a tough nut to crack. It's the best way for me to say they can beat anyone and they can lose to anyone on any given week. And that kind of defines the NFL right now because there are a lot of teams in that muddled mess. You have the top tier, you have the bottom feeders, and then there's just a whole bunch of weird stuff in the middle. And that's what we're going to try to decipher. But all right, Rob, this has been a good show. Why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find your 49ers coverage as well as find you on social media? So I'm on all the socials at stats on fire. Now that the 49ers are back. It is going to be pedal to the metal for the last eight weeks of the season. I can't wait. We are at the gold standard 49ers podcast network. Just search gold standard network on YouTube. You'll, you'll find us. It pops right up. Same thing anywhere you get your audio podcasts. So we will be here for you. And it is going to be so much fun down the stretch. I can't wait. Absolutely. Check out that coverage. You want to check out my Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. You can find us there on the Steel Curtain Network. Again, we're everywhere. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Steel Curtain Network. And then obviously wherever you get your podcast, you can just search Steelers and you'll find our feed there right there at the top. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Rob, it's been another great show. Talk next week. Take it easy. Thanks, Jeff.